guys welcome back i have a cracker of a potty here for you today this might be one of like my favorite chats that we've had so far on mental health wellness some really important messages and the lady who is serving them up to us is emma thompson and you can find emma at m is for you at em is for you on insta she is doing such amazing work in schools all over Newcastle, all over New South Wales. Honestly, you're going to love her. She's an author. She has an amazing background in psychology and she's just so relatable. I really loved this chat. And if you love it too, please don't hesitate in letting us know because that helps us get the podcast out. But without further ado, I bring to you Mrs. Emma Thompson. Emma Thompson, thank you so much for joining us today. You'll be one of our first guests on the potty in 2020. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's such a privilege. Oh, I'm stoked to have you here. Finally, after all my tech difficulties and Christmas and everything, we're making it happen. Go us. Go, Go us. You. Yay Go us. us. <laughs> so sure. your, your life experience and career path are so inspiring to me. I'm definitely someone who learns from people's darker days and their hurdles, and that is why your story moves me so much. So can you walk us through what has led you to hear and what it is that you're doing with yourself right now. Yeah, I sure can. Thanks, Katie. So I guess my work um, itself uh, now comes from my own personal experience as a somewhat challenged teenager. For as long as I can remember, I struggled with chronic anxiety and it was a consistent, how would I best describe it? A consistent buzzing inside my own sense of self that made me feel like something wasn't quite right, as in that something wasn't quite right with how I fit into the world around me. And it was a constant question questioning of myself as a result of feeling like something wasn't quite right. Um, And when I was younger, I didn't, and I think a lot of young people feel the same way, I didn't have a good understanding of it at all. And that meant that I then became really frustrated with myself because I turned what was a constant buzzing, now probably diagnosed as anxiety, into a problem that I had that made me feel isolated and made me feel extremely unhappy Um, and, yeah, consistently then sitting in a space of, well, something's wrong with me. Um, My constant battle with anxiety eventually led me to experience what would probably be um, an anxiety-induced depression. So the buzz turned into a lull, turned into numbness. And eventually I um, experienced a psychotic breakdown early in my 20s, which I certainly do think was a result of uh, the constant stress that my brain and my body was under. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And when 
I experienced this psychotic break, it was thought at the time that it would be something that I would continuously then um, battle for the rest of my life, as in the ongoing hallucinations um, and delusions that are sort of that characterise psychosis itself. Um, but what I guess essentially happened to me was what comes with <laughs> a, a level of anxiety for those listeners who <laughs> know what it's like, comes this also incredible sense of will, like a determination, like a determination that this won't beat me. Mm-hmm. And I think from this space of questioning what is this comes this sense of will, I'm going to beat this, and it led me to do what I call a whole heap of inner size. And when you look to people who carry a lot of wisdom, um, I've read a lot of books, so I'm sure you're exactly the same, and those that inspire me tend to be the people that have really been to the school of hard knocks, mm-hmm. that eventually learn there's nowhere outside of self that contains the answers. Um, when you fall hard and you can't go any lower the only way uh, the only direction to go I found is in and as a result of this inner size I am I was able to with a with a great amount of help and tools and support find my way out of the dark which has then grounded me um, in in the work that I now do and I think I sort of opened by telling you Katie that I had no idea what was wrong with me Mm. And had I had some sort of clue when I was 15, when I sort of went, hang on a second, like why is it that I now feel like something is really wrong with me because this constant buzzing of this world doesn't really make sense and I don't really feel my place in it on loop, um, if I had have had some context around that, I certainly think that my um, spiral into darkness would have potentially not been quite as traumatic and as a result of, um, I guess, looking back at, at that, um, I do believe once we know better, we do better. And my work now sees me, I guess, uh, educate and empower young people to understand um, themselves better so that they can, um, yeah, I guess, realise who they are and be completely comfortable in themselves. So my work teaches young people how to accept themselves. I love that and I think it's so important and every time I see you pop up one of these amazing, you know, one of the talks or like an image from one of your talks with all of these teenagers, I'm always cheering you on because in like, because we're a similar age, there was no dialogue around <laughs> mental health when, <clears throat> except for a stigma when we were younger it just wasn't mentioned like there was no a dialogue around fear it was just this buckle up buttercup onwards type mentality you you deal with it and you carry on and so yeah I think it's so great that you are putting words and allowing people to name feelings and having these conversations and you know um not making it such a you know, a heavy subject either because it doesn't need to be. I completely agree. It doesn't need to be. And you see, what I have had to overcome in my own life, even having this kind of a conversation, is this shitload of shame because 
um, you know, some people even say they'd prefer to lose a limb than lose their mind. And in order to stand in the space where I was like, I'm going to take total ownership of experiencing this level of insanity at some point in my life, Mm -hmm. I can't begin to tell you how afraid I was. Mm -hmm. And a part of being willing to plunge full on headlong into discomfort is when you get there, you realize there's so many other people there. Totally. (laughs) So so many other people are there. They're waiting for you. They're there. There's someone call out the elephant in the room. Can we all just have this kind of a conversation? And there's amazing work already in this space where we talk so much about making the discomfort become comfortable because we move through it or admitting our pain or admitting our shame and bringing it all out there. Um, and I feel like that that in itself is how we continue to remove the stigma around mental health and around mental suffering because what makes us human is the fact that we feel. Totally. We wouldn't have these feelings and this full spectrum of emotions if we weren't supposed to experience them. That's right. That's mm. right. 100%. So your breakdown was intense and on the larger scale, of course. So, But rock bottom has been the foundation which has sparked your passion, right? Like if you didn't have that, if you didn't go through that difficult time, you wouldn't be where you are now. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. And I, I heard like the beautiful Cheryl Strayed say recently in a podcast interview that the definition of forgiveness is um, a complete unwillingness to change anything about your past. Mm, I I know. Yes, so did I because I will tell you about rock bottom in my experience is that you don't just experience one rock bottom. (laughs) There's a good bounce. We bounce and we bounce and we look back at our life as we journey through it and I go, but I've been to rock bottom. But no, you know, yes, you've been to rock bottom, but there's another rock bottom or there's, you know, on any given day, shit goes wrong. Mm -hmm. So I kind of, and this is probably how this brain of mine works, that once I get the hang of things, I think, okay, and that's how it works. And no, that's not how it works. Like we never really ever really get the hang of things. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? That's parenting as well, isn't it? That's it like, is. That it's whole it. philosophy, life, parenting, work, you know. Yeah, money, can be everything works yep. like this and it, it doesn't. And the, that's part of the whole, I think, mastery of life is that you'll never master anything and the most important thing to feel okay about is that in itself. For me, I was always like trying to figure it out, wanting to figure it out. And when I stopped figuring it out and needing to figure out was when I finally was like, fuck yeah, Yeah. (laughs) I can relax. Yeah, because we're all just doing the best we can. (laughs) With what we've got. With what we've got in that moment. Exactly. I mean, I have like going back to that rock bottom, while there's the the big, huge life rock bottoms that we can, you know, obviously if you're going through a life timeline, you can pinpoint the big, the, the troughs of where things went really pear-shaped. But there's also the smaller ones, like the mini ones where, yeah. you know, you drop the ball on, right. a, on a great day and things go wrong. Right. Or you say something horrible to your someone you care about or all of this. And then that causes, you know, a shame spiral and self-discovery that you also then get to practice picking yourself up, dusting yourself off, getting curious, get, meeting it with compassion and carrying the fluff on because... That's right. Yeah, it's not just... It doesn't have to be, you know, these earth-shattering 
moments, even though they're really helpful. Um, they, they certainly are so helpful, but you are so right. Because we don't, we don't necessarily all have them and we don't necessarily all need to have them. And, Katie, people say to me, oh, it's, be, you know, well, I haven't got a story. That didn't happen to me. And it's not about that. It's not about how big it was for me versus how big it was for you. Absolutely everything is relative to the person having the experience. I think what is most important is that we do meet ourselves with compassion and that we meet ourselves with patience as well, that we're patient with ourselves and that we're patient with each other because the more stressed we become and the more stressed our world becomes, the less patience and the less time we'll give ourselves and each other to get it. And it takes time to get it. It really does. Don't you think even coming through like, grief I've had a huge amounts of grief in my life recently and I realized again I was trying to master grief I was trying to get it done I wanted to tick it off I wanted to have an understanding of it there's no you can't intellectualize it it's something that is a process that isn't linear that requires time and it requires patience and it requires compassion for self and for each other um and I certainly think that, again, there was such a calling for our future future generation to be upskilled in this. You know, when I say upskilled, not so that they can, you know, need to control it or need to get it, <laughs> but just so that they are able to go easy on themselves mm-hmm. and easy on each other in this space. Completely. I think that... That is absolutely like self-acceptance is the foundation to coping and the definition obviously of resilience is to bounce back. That means you've got to get back up again. But we can't get back up again if we don't fall down, you know, so we need to be willing to fall. I know. There's so Mm. much judgment around it. It's of like because it and it was that whole push, push, push of like the eighties and nineties. And, you know, early, even like that, you know, no sleep, push through, rest, success. like no rest. Yeah, mm. success, success, succeed, succeed. And yeah. now I think there's a great movement in people taking a step back and going, well, what does success look like for you? Like Absolutely. really, is this actually like questioning things? That's right. Yeah. And with the bounds of social media as well, because we now have, a, we have imagery, we have, and we have, the image definition of what success looks like. We have a definition of success and happiness equaling followers, Mm. equaling the way that we look, equaling our perfect life. So once again, we've now got a whole new layer of this ideal, this perfection, this, you know, concept of success to deconstruct for ourselves because don't get me wrong, if that is you and that lights you up, you go get them. Like you go hard and you own that space and yeah. like all for it. But we aren't we aren't all the same. You know, at some level we need to be able to stand in our own truth and that may not be you and that's okay as well. I just feel like giving little people the opportunity to fully accept who they are will then allow them to put one foot, you know, in front of the other and take those steps backwards when they're they're needing to as well. I don't necessarily think that we can continue to exist in a world where all of these ideas are defined for us. 
Completely. And I read in one of your articles about you that your message of life isn't easy is comforting kids and teenagers all over the place. So how are they receiving that? And why do you think it's so important? Like I've got, I've got my idea and I'm just so glad that you're talking about it. Um, but yeah, why, how are they receiving it? Oh, Katie, it's like, it's so great. And I get so excited about it because there is a level of relief Mm -hmm. like I the first thing I typically say at a workshop with kids is I've got two dirty hard truths that I've experienced and they are that number one life isn't ever meant to be easy and life isn't fair yeah (laughs) they are like they gasp you said what you're doing the opposite of what all our teachers are telling us I know they just take this breath out this exhalation and I'm like okay so let's just sit in this space for a second it's not easy when you stop expecting that it is going to be a freaking breeze is when you go I'm okay Mm -hmm. and when you go it's not fair it's not fair it's not fair hang on a minute it's not meant to be fair is when you go okay, I'm going to maybe be okay at some point. Like you became, you become okay with the non-okayness. Um, and it is the opposite. It's the opposite of striving hard for perfection, for success. And it is, but don't get me wrong, it doesn't create, it, it doesn't create laziness. It doesn't create a mm-hmm. lack of motivation. It creates this 100% willingness to be open to life knowing now that it's not in my control yeah (laughs) it's not in my control it's not going to be easy it's not going to be fair because this actually is far beyond me does that make sense so we're talking massive spiritual concepts in really really simple terminology for little people that get it they get it and they're so relieved and then they're like okay awesome how is it that I can be my best version of awesome knowing that yeah. So, yeah, I guess to answer in one word, how do they feel relieved? Yeah. Relieved. Well, the pressure's off because yeah. it's like this, you know, I see the frustration on one of my children's face when he finds something hard mm. and then it's like it's not supposed to be hard. That's what he's like. He gets so frustrated. I'm like, mate, that's exactly how it's supposed to be. you just got to figure right. Like just because it's hard doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. And then no. – that's that permission thing of like, oh, okay. And it's yes. everything in life. Like if we stop waiting for things to be easy because yep. that's actually making them harder, we're, right. you know, we're then gifted with a whole new array of how it can look, how it can feel. And, you know, that's just so much more inviting than it needs to look this way, it needs to feel this way, and anything outside of that is wrong. That's freedom, right, Katie? Completely. Isn't that? Like it's total freedom and to be open to all different possibilities of how it can be and knowing that it's knowing that it's likely it's going to be hard and then from accepting that you just can figure out your own way through it you know and it is that there's a freedom that comes with accepting that it's difficult (laughs) versus resisting it yeah for sure so what's the biggest thing that you see people trip over with in your work like what is their biggest hurdle yeah 
Yeah, definitely. I think um, so for with adolescents, like around this age of say 15, say 14 to 18, um, it's certainly body image. Mm-hmm. It's still very much body image for our young um, female population. And to be quite honest, it's um, a problem for our young male population as well. Um, our our younger population does struggle with that definition of what is meant, what what is attractive, what's worth, you know. Um, they would describe being worthy based on how they appear in their social feeds, um, you know, what they've got to show, like materialism, you know, a mm-hmm. lot of consumerism and it's pressure. There's an element of pressure there. Because if you think about what it was like for us as adolescents, which was challenging enough, but we didn't have this added judgment and this added Mm. comparison. We were already judgy because we were hormonal, because adolescence is tough. And then you put social media on in in the mix and you've got a new level of judgment of each other and judgment of of self the the comparison thing as well so body image is certainly a big thing and i think that there's some brilliant brilliant souls doing incredible work in the body image movement side of things but whilst ever we have young people not upskilled in what social is so it's i don't get on my soapbox and and diss it at all because I certainly think it has its place. What I'm a believer in is giving young people the tools to understand how it works. So Mm -hmm. it's a game. So if we're going to play a game, you need to understand the rules of the game so that you can become a really good player. Mm -hmm. Yeah? Yeah? So you need to understand that this image has been cropped, it's been filtered, it's been edited We've got, you know, all kinds of different considerations occurring here. This is not perfect. This is not a reflection of real life. Okay? Totally. Now I'm comparing this image or this idea to my own real life. Well, that's ridiculous. Now you're not playing the game. Now you're actually being completely unrealistic and being completely unrealistic and putting that level of pressure on yourself, your little brain and body will break down. Yeah. Because we're humans, right? So it's just having them understand uh, looking at the bigger picture is essentially what I think it's about to do with helping young people through this body image um, issue, and it, and it is a big one. I think secondary to that, um, it's, um, yeah, it's a level of disconnection in relationships. So I see a lot of young people involved in toxic relationships and toxic communication with each other which is incredibly sad but once again we live in a digital age where they have learned that that is how you communicate Mm. but human human beings need each other they need each other they need real connection not just digital connection and so if we are teaching kids how to communicate only in a digital world, how do they communicate physically? Do they make eye contact? Do they hug? How do they feel having somebody in their space? You know, how do they learn how to have really good boundaries physically, mentally, emotionally, sexually, if they don't actually spend time together, be together as little humans? Does that make sense? So that's a big issue. So relationships and body image are the two major focuses of the conversations that I lead. Mm-hmm. But it's challenging kids to return to their humanity um, because, again, like self-acceptance is being able to be your whole self. And 
we learn how to be ourselves in relationship with other people. I'd never thought of that as being, but it, now I'm like, how didn't you think of that um, in terms of being one of the massive issues? Because everyone's on, like, especially younger, you know, you see younger groups of people and everyone's got their phones out and they're not, right. they're there together, but they're not mm. relating. They're, they're not together. You know, That's right. They're there together and they're not together. Yeah. And they're somewhere know, else. How do they know that? I do exercises where I say, like, there's the kids, you know, your average 15-year-old girl would prefer to Snapchat her best friend who's sitting beside her than look her in the eyes and have a conversation. And they all crack up laughing and say, yeah, damn straight, Em. You're right. We do. We sit in the playground together at lunch and we Snapchat each other versus oh. actually be together. And you know yourself, like, totally. a, a being with your girlfriends, is it not like the most healing experience no matter what you're doing For but sure. you're together yeah so young people aren't ex- having aren't learning about the quality of healing together being together because they're in this techno age together which is not the same yeah no it's not the same and yeah. you know learning how to hold space and be there mm. and all of that and actually yeah there's so much more well I'm, gee that's why I'm like oh my gosh I've got to talk to my niece no she's got she's she's going yeah. through it herself but it's that same thing yeah. I hadn't I hadn't actually thought about that as being yeah. one of the biggest yeah. like yeah. hurdles for them but of course it would be yeah so, so now they need to learn how to how that needs to be taught does that make sense because once it was taught in our homes and in our society and in our culture and it's not being passed down anymore because the way in which we lead our lives is entirely different so there's a calling for this to be taught like people would roll their eyes and go oh don't be stupid everybody knows how to communicate no no that's not true not anymore yeah. No. So it's a it's an actual skill, isn't it? It's a tool that mm-hmm. need that young people are required to. I think. Well, and I mean, look, I can only ever speak from my point of view, but I just feel that young people deserve the right to learn. Totally. And so, what do you suggest? <laughs> like, just putting the phones away, putting the tech time away, having tech-free nights at home um, those That's sorts right. of things. That's right. Just first start off by observing it. Like take a note yeah. of how long you're on it. Take a note of um, like what you're what you're missing out on. Who are you missing out on, or what moment are you missing out on fully as a human being because you've got this other level of added frequency going on through your phone or through mm-hmm. your tech. I mean, interestingly, with young people, as soon as you point it out, they're like relieved again because they already knew because they're already feeling it. Yeah. And so, it's like annoying, but sometimes you like I know I get annoyed with my phone, and I need someone to like a conversation like this, and I'm like, oh, I can put it away. Yes, yeah, you know, putting it on do not disturb mode, yeah, because you won't actually even get like you don't get any of any obviously any notifications. Yeah, to. do not disturb mode. I've actually become quite good at this, Katie. That do not disturb mode means I forget I have a phone, and then I go back and I'm like, oh, oh you got to find it. I've got to go and find it. Um, but but it just to even do it consciously. I am putting you on do not disturb mode and I am going to put you over there and I know I'm not going to like it. I know yeah. I'm going to miss you, right? Yeah. <laughs> so you acknowledge that. Goodbye, you acknowledge world. This yeah. is hard. Like that's the bit. This isn't meant to be easy. Like, yeah. I'm not going to breathe through my little phone addiction by saying I've, I've got this, I've got this. No, this sucks and it's hard and I'm going to miss your little phone and all the things that you give me but I'm still going to do it yeah. and I'm going to put you over there 
And then you just give yourself like five minutes, 10 minutes to fully consciously engage in something that you've noticed you've been missing because the phone's been part of it. Totally. And all, you, you, it doesn't even require words. Like you feel it. And oh, then you go, sure. awesome, I'm going to do that. <laughs> and one of, one of the best things that I ever did, and I've, it's been years now, is turn all my notifications off. I don't Amazing. get any notifications for Facebook, Instagram, nothing. So that, and I mean, it doesn't stop me from going on, but it's not pinging at me. My phone doesn't So you've doesn't got a ping. choice then, don't you? Which yeah. is so beautiful. And that I'm the same. I, I'm, we're, we are like little twins in that. I, I don't have notifications either. So when we go on, we're going on with intention to check. Yeah. Which is our intention, not the phone going, look at this, look at this, look at this, look at this, right? Yes. It's you making that informed choice to move in that direction and I think that that is what it absolutely should be for us for sure so in terms of your mental health what do you do on a day-to-day basis to stay aware and on top of things yeah so I'm a meditator and um, I'm a prayer and it's hilarious when I speak I say there's two things I do a lot I swear a lot and I pray a lot they can go together perfectly (laughs) oh they so do they so do and I and I I do both a lot, but the reason why, um, because some people say, well, you're not really, you don't really come across like a God girl or whatever that may mean. Mm -hmm. But when I wrote this in my book, when you've lived without faith, that's how you learn what faith is. Like through faithlessness comes faith. Mm -hmm. And so when I had nowhere else to go, but in, when I went in, I found that ultimately I found that there was something much bigger than me going on here. So I do go to God and I do it moment by moment, day by day, and it has been a huge learning curve and a big practice. Um, but I guess you could say that that could be meditation as well for some people, and I think meditation can mean whatever you want it to mean. Again, I've learned in my life that we have all of this extra meaning attached to things because of what other people say that they mean. Mm-hmm. Sometimes just sitting quietly and just connecting with your breath is all that you need and you only you know what you need. But that comes out of a willingness to be still. So my mental health 100% thrives on the stillness, on the space in between, the space in between breaths, like when you fully exhale before you take that inhale. That's a beautiful little space in between. You know, um, slowing down but creating a ritual out of that stillness was how I have trained myself to slow because, Katie, I was fast Yeah, everything, push, grind, hustle, achieve, right? Speak yeah. fast, move fast, walk fast, you yeah. know, that. So I've had to, because that's anxiety. Mm-hmm. Anxiety goes, get out of the moment. What are you doing here? There's something wrong. Is that okay? That wasn't okay. Buzz, 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 buzz. Why isn't this okay? You know, what happened yesterday? What, what might happen Figure it out. Tomorrow? Figure it out. Figure right? it out. Figure it out. Figure it out. Hustle, 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 yeah. right? So in this whole beautiful spaciousness comes this ability to be present and anxiety, believe it or not, just wants to hustle you consistently out of the present moment. So my mental health depends upon my stillness, but my stillness must be a practice because this shit does not come naturally to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Well, especially if you've been living on adrenaline and autopilot for such a long period of your life, you have to reset the default setting. Consistently. Yeah. And, it's, and it is my little default. And now I'm like, again, why does white? Because I was like, I can't meditate. I'm not praying. I'm not this. I'm not that. Because that's all hard for me. Yeah. It's all hard. It's not meant to be hard. As soon as I accepted, no, they're in life. So, gold M, it's difficult. Let's do it. Um, yeah, obviously came the change. The other thing that I have always done is physically exercised. And it's interesting because to start with, like to literally reboot my brain that had had the atomic bomb go off inside it, a.k.a. like chronic psychosis, um, endorphins were an absolute saviour in that space, like mm-hmm. ed- like burning off excess adrenaline as a result of anxiety, um, really, really pushing my body short, sharp bursts of exercise were extremely healthy for a mind that was numb, depressed, yeah, that kind of yeah. uh, withdrawn brain that feels just like, like, yeah, I guess numb is the word. Endorphins really can push you back into life. But then there must be a balance that comes with that because I, when, when I was struggling with that area of, in my life, chronic depression, I then pushed hard and I was able to reap the beautiful benefits of endorphins, but then I pushed too hard, yeah? Yeah. And I worked out that, hang on a minute, we need to have a workout with a piece out. You need to push mm-hmm. hard and you need to know when to pull back. But again, knowing what you need comes from listening to yourself, it yeah. comes from allowing you that space to actually dive in and ask, how am I today? What do I need today? So I'm not a big one in saying this is what you need to do and this is what you need to do and this is how you do it. I feel like first and foremost you need to be absolutely willing to give yourself that stillness so you can ask. Secondly, physical exercise has always been at some level not negotiable for me because I believe as human beings we are designed to move. We're not designed to sit yeah. still for too long. Yeah. Totally. I think also nutrition played a major role in my recovery. I think changing the way that I eat and being conscious of the fact that what I put into my body affects my brain. We know that as mothers of toddlers. Yes. We really do, don't oh, we? Totally. But, Watch and, and go. I, yeah, and I, te- I teach, yeah, like this is what we talk about at school with adolescents. You guys aren't even thinking about what you put into your body as how it affects your brain. You're thinking about what you put into your body as how it affects the way that you look. Mm-hmm. So girls, you know, you're thinking about diets and you're thinking about changing your thighs and so you're thinking about what you're putting into your body. I'm like, it's not about that first and foremost because how you think is going to govern how you show up in your life. And I'm telling you what you put in your body is, go- is going to determine how you think first. Yeah. And that was a massive game changer for me. So, and I and I'm a big believer again in like you can't be too like there's nothing there's life flows up down around through you know in all different directions. So you can't be you can't become regimented and only eat spinach and never drink wine. You know if that if that floats your boat and that's what works for you and that's how you are your best version of you, which only you know how. If that's your thing, great. But again, I have seen so much torture, struggle, suffering come out of control in mm-hmm. what we put into our bodies as well. So it's again, it's the workout piece out analogy again. It's like the matching the good with the bad. Um, I do think that we need to pay more attention to what we put into our bodies as to how it affects the way that we think and therefore how we feel. So nutrition is a big thing. Other than that, you know, it's um, 
it's developing boundaries, which is like being my newest thing. And I think that, so you know, important. that you're a pioneer in that space, girlfriend, and it's true. I love a boundary. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. And I, I didn't know I didn't have any. <laughs> well, you and, don't, and it's that's yeah. not a strange thing. Like we're we're taught to show up, be the kind girl, be the good girl, be the mm-hmm. be everything to everyone else, and then there's mm-hmm. these energy leaks, right? And then that starts to take from us, and we don't even realize, and you become no. resentful. So I get it. So talk talk us through your boundaries. How did they I, show up? Uh, oh, do you know what, Katie? Like the most like. Beyond those things that I've spoken about, the, the, the thing in my life that is absolutely central to my mental health is the people I have in my life, like the level of connection I share with people who I love. And I don't have people in my life anymore that I don't feel that way about. Mm-hmm. And that for me has been a profound shift. Because I realized I was spending all of this energy, this precious energy and precious time that's the only thing that I really got right. And I'm giving it away everywhere in all directions to all kinds of different people that just genuinely didn't make me feel good. And now I like look at my two hands and I know that I've probably got less than that amount of people that I do fingers in my life, but they are like why I want to breathe. (laughs) Yeah, and so passionate and so boundaries for me look like going no thank you no I'm not going to have that coffee no no I don't need to have that conversation yes yes I will make the time to go with you on that weekend yes I will you know spend this time with my kids no I won't you know and it's that it's the yes no thing to people that has been a massive game changer for me and it's actually meant that I've said yes to myself. Wow. Huge. <laughs> and what a shift. Massive. And again, boundaries aren't easy. Like no, they're suck. really uncomfortable. <laughs> they're really uncomfortable initially. Like they're really like if you want to put yourself into a growth opportunity, practice saying no to people that you would normally say yes to oh, and watch so yourself hard. squirm. But you know what? They often take it better than we think that they will. It's the story about what this means and all of that, that, you know, then what they're going to think of us after that. And then that's a whole other, you know, ball game of the judgment and the this and the that. Isn't it? I, you know, Katie, I said recently to somebody, I can't even remember, like, I am inspired, right, particularly by women who have boundaries because you get to know where you stand with them. Mm -hmm. And when you know where you stand with people, you don't do the anxious second-guessing scenario stories in your head thing. You know who, I know who she is. I know what she likes. I know what she doesn't like. I know how she'll want, prefer to spend her time. Like, wow, that's awesome. That makes it really easy for me to not go off in my anxious head. So the reverse is true. We give ourselves such a hard time about saying no when we really mean yes, but yet I'm so inspired when people say no. That's that's, it. (laughs) It's groundbreaking. It's like for sure. Like I know when I was asking um, a beautiful woman who will be on in a few weeks on the podcast last year, she's like, you know what? No, this is not a good time for me. I've got, you know, this, this, this and this on. Yeah. Let's revisit it in the new year. I have to – I'm focused on this project. Yes. I can't – you know, I just yes. want to – I've only got so much energy to give. This yes. is where I'm going to give it. And yep. not even, And can we revisit? Not asking me, is this okay? It was no. just, this is what we're going to do. I can do it then. 
And, and I how was good like, is it for you? Go like, you. That's amazing. I'm totally yeah. down. Let's talk about this then. You that's know, it. like I just think it's really beautiful. So ah, uh, it is. Yeah, so but it's, it's, again, a skill you've got to cultivate. You do practice it. It's like, it's like wow, notice it, observe it, and then go, yep, I'm going to, I want it, I want that. And then it's like, yep, I'm going to practice that and I'm going to practice that and I'm going to practice that. And even though it feels really shitty, I'm going to keep going through until I pop out the other side and then I just like sit here and go, I so love the people I have in my life. <laughs> totally. So how can people work with you, Em, or how can they get yeah. to one of your – how can they get you to one of these schools or how can they get your amazing book? Absolutely. Thank you so much. You go to um, my website, which is www.m, which is E-M as in my name, and then the words after is for you. So www.misforyou.com.au. On the website, you can read about the school programs. You can also register on um, my events mailing list and you can um, purchase my mental health memoir. So it's all kind of there. Um, I'm really excited that I'll be launching, hopefully um, not too far away, but a new foundation that's attached to the work that I do because I've definitely established now over the last five years that there's need for funding there's need for funding in this space there's need for more people um, locally statewide and nationally to recognize the need for this kind of whole being curriculum for young kids and that does require dollars so um, if you register on my website you'll be able to be well informed around when that foundation launches and how you can go about supporting that charity as well. Oh, I am so in. I'm definitely going to keep up on, up to date with that because it's so needed. I reckon it would have changed the traje- trajectory of my mental health journey as well. But like you said, there's no mistakes. But okay. it would have been if you can make make your path a little shinier and a little brighter and a little easier, why wouldn't you? So especially for our kids. Thanks, Katie. I completely agree. I completely agree. We, we kind of just needed – we needed this when we were younger, so – and um, you're now doing we can it. show up and, and be who we, who we needed when we were younger, which has just been just an incredible gift and blessing. Yeah. Thank oh, well, you. Emma thank Thompson, you thank me. you so much. It has been amazing. And I'll be sure to link everything for you in the show notes. Thanks so much, Katie. You have a beautiful day. Mm-hmm. 